0: This episode of the Hyman Podcast is dedicated to Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who was an architect and pioneer of the legal battle for women's rights in the 1970s. In subsequent years, she became a legal and cultural icon as one of the most prominent members of the highest court in the land. She will be missed, but her legacy will live on. From the Hyman blog and Press Play Podcast, I'm J.D. Hyman. As a black man living here in America, I am living proof that while all men were created equal, not all men are equal. We're here to dig into the American political system, explore and unearth experiences from the human experience, and be a catalyst for some hard conversations that need to be had. No matter what brought you here, I'm glad you came. Once again, my name is JD, and this is the Hyman Podcast. Chapter 2. The Cautionary Tale of Being Black in America In the days after the death of George Floyd, a lot changed in this nation. Tensions in America, especially in the black community, were already rising with the shooting deaths of both Ahmaud Aubrey and Breonna Taylor. And just when we thought we were past the worst of it, we turned on the TV and what do we see? Live and in living color, a police officer kneeling on the neck of a black man. The video is shocking. In fact, when I first watched it, I had to turn it off. This man was pleading with this officer who was kneeling on his neck. He was actually pleading for his life and no one does anything. His fellow officers just stood there as if no one saw what was happening or like they didn't recognize that what was happening was wrong. So how do we get to a place where we can allow this to happen? To the place where a police officer can sit on someone's neck for a period exceeding eight minutes and other officers just stand idly by. I'll tell you how. We built this society. In the ensuing days, a lot happened. Protests sparked in major cities across the nation. Riots broke out, and of course, looters. What started out as a free-for-all at your local target soon turned into something much worse. Cities began to burn. Statues were vandalized, destroyed, People were pepper sprayed. People took to the streets to demand justice. And what started as a demand for justice turned into a cry for equality. In light of everything that's happened in the past few months, three factions of people seem to have stood out in this country. The people who see the problem, the people who refuse to see the problem, and the people who are the problem. And unfortunately, the people who refuse to see the problem are seemingly part of the problem as well. You see, we live in a society where we're accustomed to brushing things under the rug. It's like the American Civil War happened and slavery ended and we just brushed that under the rug. The Civil Rights Act of 1964 happened and ended segregation and we just brushed it under the rug. But you know, a lot happened back then. And the scars of that era haven't quite healed and quite frankly, I don't know that they ever will. Part 1 The Old Guard. Once I took a trip to an art museum and I came across an exhibit. It was called Back of the Bus, which featured illustrations and art from the artist Floyd Cooper. These powerful images told the story of Rosa Parks' arrest for her refusal to give up her seat on a bus in Montgomery, Alabama, which led to a 13 month bus boycott of city buses, which ended when the Supreme Court issued a decree. That made segregation on public transportation unconstitutional. Speaking of constitution, I only wish I hit Rosa Parks' constitution. I can only imagine what it must have been like to be on that bus while people were yelling and screaming at you and demanding that you get up. How it must have felt to have your humanity and dignity stripped away and put on display like an animal. That she kept her cool, her composure and what little dignity she had left. It was an inspiring exhibit, and it left me wondering how far we've come, and at the same time, how far we haven't. But that wasn't even the coolest part. The coolest part was sitting there, watching people come through and read and look at the images on display. At one point, a father walked in and he took his daughter around the exhibit, Seeing them examine those images on display and hearing her ask questions and him answering those questions, it moved me. Seeing these stories come to life in a way that is still meaningful almost two and a half generations later. We live in an age of unprecedented racism and in the wake of social media, it's even more widespread and prevalent than ever before. It's like small fires that never seem to go out and just when you snuff one out, another one emerges from the embers. I've noticed how many people, both in life and in politics, would just like to blame the current administration. But I think that's ignorant, and I also think it's irresponsible to give one person so much credit for discord that's existed long before he ever took office. This isn't new, and people are always looking for someone to blame. Their parents, their communities, their politicians, their own ignorance, the list goes on. But no matter who, at the end of the day, gets the blame, I think we can all agree that actively blaming people does very little to rectify the problem at hand. In terms of progress, we have absolutely made some great strides, but we've also had some great setbacks. And while many of these setbacks speak louder than some of the progress, we can't forget how far we've come. We live in an age where you can be someone's sworn enemy without ever even knowing who they are. Political parties don't tell you anything about a person because so many people are single-issue voters. That's like saying you know everything about a person based on their like or dislike of asparagus. I have seen people groups, whole people groups, denigrate other people groups based on the color of their skin, political affiliation, social issues, gender, sexual orientation, and at the crux of it all, you have one people group who think they are more superior than another people group, or they think they're better than the other. That is not what Martin Luther King Jr. stood for. And the fact that some people use his name, legacy, and words out of context is purely inappropriate. It's disgusting. He wanted people to be judged by the content of their character and not by the color of their skin. He wanted protest to be fought with meaning and not violence. He wanted life to be cherished, and more than that, he wanted our better angels to prevail. Let's not abrogate our responsibility to live up to his good name. Let's be change agents and let progress happen and not deepen our pain and hatred by expelling pain and hatred onto other people. Pain, anger, and hatred does not have to be our future, and together... We can change that. We have a responsibility to change the narrative of our country because this divide can be the end of us. Martin Luther King Jr. didn't sacrifice himself in the name of progress. In fact, he didn't sacrifice himself at all. He was murdered in cold blood. He was not done. His work was not done. His life was taken before it was over. And because of that, we owe it to him to pick up the mantle and finish what he started Let's be better because to be anything less is unacceptable so why do so many white officers tend to find themselves in situations where they're standing over the dead body of a black man woman or child only to walk away scot-free here's the thing i personally know a state trooper and a detective in fact they are two of the most stand-up guys i know And I know without a doubt that neither of them would ever do anything short of upholding the law and the constitutional rights of everyone they encounter. I am confident that not all cops are bad, but that doesn't stop me from tensing up whenever I encounter a police officer. And it has to be this same instinct that resides in a lot of black people that give them the inability to trust the police force in general. The disdain and vitriol that so many officers are faced with serves to further divide Black America and the boys in blue. But we have to remember that the good parts on that side of the blue line are just as upset about what's going on as Black America is. The problem is, some officers have to be willing to call out bad cops and punish the bad cops appropriately and proportionately. What I mean is that the officer who killed George Floyd... Derek Chauvin had at least 17 complaints lodged against him for misconduct, yet he was still in the force. The culture of misconduct and allowing that misconduct to go unchecked and unpunished contributed to the current state of affairs. There are police officers all over this nation who don't understand the fact that they used to be called peace officers. They're still called peace officers. There are some who believe they are above the law and that they can circumvent the legal system and the constitutional rights of anyone they encounter, the Constitution itself, by either violating or suppressing the rights of the very people they were charged to serve and protect. There are some police officers who don't understand that they don't get to pick and choose which people they serve and protect. Police officers are too often protecting their own protecting the way of life, protecting the old guard, and to whose benefit, not the public, and especially not black America. Part 2. How to make a quilt out of Americans One of the topics I teach my ethics class is the principle of universalizability. And I know that's a big word, but right now is not the time for me to do a deep dive into the life and times of Immanuel Kant and categorical imperative, so I'll stick to the cliff notes. In short, the principle of universalizability suggests that an action is morally acceptable if said action can be universalized without bringing about a contradiction. Violence for the sake of violence is universally frowned upon, meaning violence can't be universalized because it contradicts the fact that a majority of the population find it unacceptable. In the case of Black America, the fight for equality and police reforms to speak against the maxim black lives matter can be construed as you're supporting the notion that violence perpetrated against black people by the police is acceptable it can also be construed that you don't believe that systemic racism exists or that there isn't a disparity in the justice system now We are all free or free-ish men and women, and we are allowed to feel whatever way we choose about those topics. That's the beauty of America, and I won't deny you that. I will never deny you that. But, and I say this in the nicest possible way, if you disagree with any of the aforementioned topics, then get out of the way of the people who are trying to improve the conditions of the human experience in this regard. Because if you're not going to do anything to mitigate the problem, your standing there being a naysayer actually makes you part of the problem. And whether rightly or wrongly, your presence is a hindrance to progress. Wow. The United States has a long and storied history of violence towards African Americans. If one thing that history and memory teaches us is that the ghosts of our past can sometimes be just the thing we need, to propel us to be better versions of ourselves. What American history has shown us is that the trail of violence all points to one group of people attempting to claim dominance over another group, and that in all this brokenness, all we see is history
1: continuing
0: to repeat itself. This isn't new. This isn't something that's happening for the first time. It's been happening. History shows us That the thing that was happening then is the thing that's happening now. Black people are still being persecuted because of the color of their skin. Black people are still being beaten down by circumstances. But I do see one thing. I see a people who have so much resilience that they still get up every day and fight for their right to exist. Their right to live without fear. America is made up of every kind of person. Together, we are woven at the seams in such a way that our existence sometimes depends on one another. And it should be noted that I believe that is a truly beautiful thing. Or at least I used to. One day, I was walking in downtown Columbus, Ohio. I don't remember where I had been. I just know I was returning to my car. It was your typical walking down the street blase kind of day. I came to a crosswalk, and as I waited for a car to pass, I didn't stare long enough to identify anyone, but they were white guys around my age. They had the windows down, and one of them leaned out the window and yelled, Nigger! They laughed because they thought it was funny, I guess. And I stood there, shocked. Thing is, it wouldn't be the last time it would happen. Another time, I was walking back to work, downtown Columbus. I was walking in front of the Rhodes office tower. And as I walked past a group of white guys, one of them looked at me and said, watch where you're going, nigger. But I was watching where I was going, so much so that I wasn't even focused on them, because I was looking straight ahead. I stopped, dead in my tracks, spun around, and one of them looked back at me, half smiling, half nod as if he was in complete disagreement with his friend, but he was too coward to say anything. I then noticed I was surrounded by white people. A few of them looked at the guys walking past. Some of them purposely ignored what had just happened. Chief among them was a police officer who in that moment opted not to protect me. It was a profound moment for me because I seemed to be more interested in all the people who stood idly by, the friend who stood idly by, the police officer who stood idly by. Martin Luther King Jr. said, Those who do nothing while witnessing injustice and wrongdoing do worse than those who commit acts of injustice. He said, The privileged have a responsibility to do what they know is right. Our lives begin to end the day we become silent about things that matter. I was sad because now I was witnessing firsthand what complacency looked like. I now knew what it felt like, what it smelled like. Cold. Stale. I recognized the ignorance of those people in both situations. And I had the opportunity to react in a way that was less becoming of my character, but I put the angry black man to rest a long time ago. And what's more is that I didn't need him. And I'll talk about him in another episode. What I needed in those moments isn't something that I could have done. It's what the people around me could have done. You see this is the society that we've built, the quilt we've woven. But the thing about quilts is that you can always take out one square and replace it with another. But this is the country that we've built where that type of behavior is okay. Now I'm not saying that it's always going to be like this, but if we lived in a society where no one tolerated that type of behavior, we'd all be a lot better off. Unfortunately, we don't. But that doesn't mean we have to settle for what we have. It doesn't mean we just give up. It just means we have to yell a little louder. We have to march a little longer, and we have to pray a little harder. My name is J.D. Hyman, and this is The Hyman Podcast. I'll see you next time. This episode of The Hyman Podcast was written and produced by myself, with additional copy editing and story editing by Emily Stacey. Kevin Aki is our brand designer, and the music for this episode was composed and produced by Jim Yosef and Raphael Crux. Additional music was licensed from Epidemic Sound. The Hyman Podcast is produced in part by Press Play Podcast. Press Play is staffed by Chase Smith, our CEO and fearless leader. I serve as the Chief Operating Officer, and Brooks May is the Head of Content and Development. To learn more about the network, sponsorships, guest appearances, or if you're interested in launching your own podcast on our network, visit us on the web at www.pressplaypodcast.com. Promotional consideration for this season of the Hyman podcast was paid for by Blank Shell Gaming, Grant Furnace Designs, and Buds & Bloom, New York. To learn more about this podcast, our mission and vision, as well as our sponsors, please visit us on the web at www.jdhyman.com.